Welcome to another episode of the Anesthesia Thrive Guide. I'm your host, Dr. Mirko Mostagimi, and today we're diving into the world of fluid and blood therapy, a cornerstone for anesthesiologists and critical care physicians. Join me as we explore the nuances of crystalloids, colloids, and blood products and their specific indications. This is an important concept to learn because it's not just water or intravenous Gatorade. Once you become a physician, you make the decision of what kind of fluid is deemed necessary for the patient and situation, and you don't want to prescribe the wrong fluid, much like you wouldn't want to prescribe the wrong medication. And as always, I'll provide valuable tips for medical students to excel during their rotations. This is not a paid promotion, but in my personal experience, the ICU book by Marino does a good job explaining all the different fluids and their uses. A mentor gave me a hardcover version of it, but there are PDFs of it online. So with that said, let's dive into the world of fluids. Let's begin with the crystalloids, the primary choice of resuscitation and maintenance of intravascular volume. Isotonic crystalloids such as normal saline, which is 0.9% sodium chloride, and lactated ringers are commonly used. For patients requiring volume expansion, a typical ratio of crystalloids to blood loss is about 3 to 1, but individualized assessment based on clinical response is vital. And depending on where you read, there might be a higher or lower ratio. It's essential to grasp the principles of crystalloid administration and understand the signs of appropriate fluid resuscitation. Being able to discuss the indications, contraindications, and potential complications, such as hyperchloremic metabolic acidosis, will demonstrate your expertise during the rotation. Now, let's shift our focus to colloids, a solution with larger molecules that stay in the intravascular space for a more extended period. One common colloid is albumin, derived from human plasma. It typically comes in 5% and 25% concentrations and is used for volume expansion in specific clinical scenarios. These include, but definitely not limited to, liver failure and ECMO patients. Familiarize yourself with the indications for colloids, such as hypoalbuminemia, or situations where crystalloids alone may not suffice. Understanding proper dosing, potential complications like anaphylactic reactions or coagulopathy, and the principles of colloid administration will set you apart during these rotations. Moving on to the blood products, essential components of transfusion therapy. Packed red blood cells, or PRBCs, are frequently used to restore oxygen-carrying capacity in patients with significant blood loss or anemia. While transfusion protocol usually suggests to keep hemoglobin at or above 7, the transfusion trigger for PRBCs depends on clinical context, symptoms, and, of course, the hemoglobin level. Blood products not only help maintain blood volume, but also correct for anemias, coagulopathies, and specific factor deficiencies. But remember, when you give blood products, there are unique risks from crystalloids or colloids. As you can imagine, they increase the risk for infection, transfusion reactions, and transfusion-related acute lung injury, or trolley. The first aid textbook actually does a really good job summarizing each of these complications and their timing. Understanding the indications and ensuring appropriate blood product selection, such as platelets versus fresh frozen plasma as needed, is crucial. Familiarize yourself with the principle of blood product administration, potential complications, and the importance of individualized approach to transfusion therapy. 
So let's expand on some commonly pimp questions so you can learn how to answer those with confidence. Question 1. How do crystalloids and colloids differ in terms of volume expansion? Remember, crystalloids distribute throughout the extracellular space while colloids primarily remain in the intravascular space. This question is basically asking you about the principles of osmosis. Question number two. Why can't you transfuse PRBCs with lactated ringers? Remember that PRBCs are packed with citrate to keep them from coagulating in the bag. If you mix it with lactated ringers, which contains calcium, you run the risk of creating a precipitate in a clot, which isn't good. As we conclude this episode on fluid and blood therapy, remember the importance of understanding crystalloids, colloids, blood products, and their indications, ratios for administration, and potential complications. Remember to actively engage in discussions, ask thoughtful questions, and demonstrate your understanding of fluid and blood therapy principles. By doing so, you'll stand out and make a lasting impression during your rotations. And that, my friends, is another page out of the Anesthesia Thrive Guide, where we prepare and coach medical students interested in anesthesia and critical care medicine. Until next time, remember to keep learning, stay curious, and do what's best for your patients.